Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. So welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm Jeanette Linfoot and I'm your host. Now, I am here today with a man who has had a very eclectic life. He's done a huge amount in the, over the years. So it is the one and only Ramon Newman. Now, Ramon is the co-founder and CEO of New Mavericks, which is a global leadership development consultancy business. And he is also the co-author of The Science of Protection. So welcome, Ramon, to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jeanette. Uh, it's a great honor to be here on your podcast, which has a brilliant title and obviously a reflection of uh, the bold, brave, brilliant person that you are. So uh, honored to be part of the club. Excellent. Well, I'm loving the start to this interview. You're full of compliments <laughs> for me. I like this. I like this. <laughs> so we have got so much to talk about, Ramon, because as I said, you've got a very eclectic kind of personal story as well around, around what you've done, but also what you do today to help business leaders and executives really reach their high potential. So we're going to have a great conversation. And in your own words, we're going to start with your journey, Ramon, if that's all right, because because there's quite a lot in here. So I'm going to leave it leave it to you to take it away, and then we'll go from there. Sure, I'll unpack it in the, the short version as best as possible. Uh, as you may be able to tell, uh, I'm from New Zealand. You may or may not be able to tell, but if you can't understand me, then you just add vowels in, because New Zealanders tend to butcher the, the English language. <laughs> Most New Zealanders don't say New Zealand, we say New Zealand. <laughs> so that's where I'm from. I uh, grew up there first 20 years of my life and great experience can't complain about my childhood in any way uh it was a, a fantastic you know outdoor rugby running cricket you name it uh, i was into it had a typical uh very physical uh outdoor life uh, in new zealand and i got very focused uh in my teenage years in rugby and running and i had a decision okay what am i what am i better at what am i better suited to and did very well in rugby, won four uh, provincial championships in high school, and was also doing well in running, uh, won national, regional, provincial titles, and got to the point where I decided, okay, I, I think I'm more suited based on my physiology and, and how I was developing to, to go for running. So I put all my efforts into qualifying for the World Junior Championships, and I had Olympic gold winner winning coach, name was Arch Jelly. He uh, coached John Walker to the 76 Olympic title. I was the first man to run the three minutes, 50 seconds. And so Arch said to me, he said, uh, you know, if you keep up uh, your progress and your training and you stay healthy, then there's no reason why you can't go to the Olympics. And when someone like that gives you that sort of edification, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm all in on this. Let's see what I can do. And so I put in the training, you know, I was getting the progress, was getting close to the qualifying time. And I fell short by two seconds and got very ill. 
and had a lot of respiratory problems, a lot of digestive problems, kept me up most nights. I was like an insomniac for six months. I uh, got very depressed, felt like I'd lost my sole purpose in life to become a professional athlete and really kind of just, you know, numb that pain typically by, you know, drinking more, eating more, dating whoever seemed interested. And it was very kind of a sobering part of, part of my life. And, you know, I was quite, you know, I thought, well, I'd been at, at running, I've been running for 10 years and I realized, well, you know, I'm either going to make it or I'm, I'm not at this point. And so I kept going, but I realized I was missing something because I was very good at the training and putting in the effort and putting in the action, but I wasn't really good at recovering. I wasn't really good at kind of developing my mindset and having a clearer mind about things. It was always just about the action, action, action. And so it got to the point where, you know, numbing the pain didn't work. So I accepted, you know, where I was at and I realized I needed to develop myself at a deeper level. And so I ended up learning that some of the athletes in my running squad, they'd learned to meditate, they'd learned transcendental meditation. They go, oh, that sounds interesting. Why do you do that? And he says, well, it gives you a, a deeper level of rest than what you can get and even sleep. And I go, okay, well, that's, that's really what I'm missing. And so I went along, didn't even hear the intro lecture, just said, I want to have the experience. Uh, learned uh, the technique, it's very simple to learn. And the first exper experience I had of my mind actually really settling down and really transcending to a more settled state. And I thought I was a pretty relaxed kind of guy, but there's just layers of, of relaxation and silence that the mind can actually fathom and experience. So when you have a technique like TM, that's very simple, natural, and effortless, you allow your mind to have that experience. And it was like the contrast was so great between where I thought I was relaxed and where re real relaxation was that I literally walked out of that first, first experience of meditating like I was walking on the clouds. And it wasn't that I was walking the clouds. It was just the contrast was so great. And so that really kind of flipped the switch for me. And I realized, oh, my God, I don't have to run five miles a day to feel like I'm good and, and happy and fulfilled. I can just close my eyes, transcend, get that experience of, of a deeper connection with self and the source of energy and creativity and intelligence. And, and then, you know, lead my life from the inside out rather than trying to get that achievement on the outside to hopefully feel fulfilled on the inside. And so that was kind of a, like a, a revelation for me. And the experience was so strong that I wanted to have more of it. So I went to the United States, went to a university called MIU uh, in Fairfield, Iowa, and just kind of got more absorbed in, in, in the development and, you know, taking care of my health and really knowing how to be more in tune with that underlying intelligence that allows us to function in the first, first place, you know, let's call it consciousness. So we have, a, we have a conscious mind, we have a subconscious mind, and we have consciousness. And the more we can get connected to consciousness, which is that universal you know, level of intelligence that we're all a part of, and the more we're able to be in tune with what's evolutionary for ourselves. So I really took that to an extreme. I went from being extremely outward and athletic to being extremely inward when at the age of 25, I decided I was going to, be, I was going to meditate full time, eight hours a day, seven days a week. I was going to do that for a year as part of a program. This is in North Carolina. And uh, after a year of that, uh, I went, oh, wow, this is, this is really purposeful. This feels really meaningful to me. And I, I felt like I was kind of purifying things at a deeper level myself, getting over that stress of not really fulfilling my, my athletic ambition, uh, what I thought it was, and really just found more fulfillment, more peace, more, more silence, and more, you know, just a wakefulness uh, in myself by being on this program. And so after one year, I go, I'm, no one's going to miss me from the world. Let's do another year. So I did another year, ended up doing another year and another year and another year and ended up being 10 years. 
So I wasn't expecting to do that, but I was just kind of like going, you know, we all go with our bliss ultimately. We do what makes us you know, feel good. What, what is the charm? And that was the charm for me in my life, just to go inward and just to really experience that, that deeper, more consciousness value of myself. Because as we know, you know, the body changes, you know, our mind and thoughts change. Uh, and ultimately we want to realize, you know, what that, that pure value of ourself is. And when you are meditating full time, you really get to go deep and experience what's below the surface. And so it was a very charming experience. And then after 10 years, I went, okay, this is great. I feel great. I feel like I've you know, gotten over, you know, what I need to get over. I felt like I've, I've gone to a deep level myself and I have more self-knowledge about who I am and, and what I represent. And so I said, well, you know, it's great. You know, anyone can be enlightened in the cave, but let me go back into the marketplace and see what value this has for me and, and the world. So I decided that I'm not going to do this half-hearted. I'm going to do this, you know, like very black and white. And so I went from literally being in a monastic setting, uh, meditating eight hours a day to being in New York City and doing an acting program. And I wanted to take all this inner connection to myself in silence and integrate it with connection, you know, with others because great acting is basically about great connection. And so I did that. I did a summer program in New York City, did the Meisner Technique. And then after six weeks of that, I go, wow, I really love this. I want to do another year of this. So I basically spent 2007, 2008 in New York City doing acting training, acting performing. And it was a really uh, a personal development experience for me, more so than, hey, this is a career path for me. And at the same time, I realized, okay, I've got to make a living somehow. You know, I, I can't, I don't can't live off, you know, how I was living as a monk where I had sponsorship. And, but we also started a consultancy, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, and so I was in New York City and my business partner, he was uh, also a full-time meditating monk uh, for 15 years. And he'd spent six years up in the Himalayas. Uh, and he came out of the Himalayas. He had to help a friend uh, get over a health condition. And he called me up. He said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm, I'm in New York City doing an acting program. He says, well, how are you going to make a living? I said, well, I don't know right now. And he said, well, why don't we continue to do what we, we started as full-time meditating monks to support ourselves in that lifestyle? And that was literally to be silent partners to business leaders. So at that time, we were meditating, you know, eight hours a day. And then we were getting on the phone in the afternoons and we were talking with business leaders, helping them debunk their stresses, you know, expand their awareness about things, help them realize what's the deeper truth of what's going on. And they really valued that. And so he said, why don't we do that, but do it in a more professional way and, and more full time. So I said, okay, let's, let's give it a go. And it was coincidental because at that time, as you may remember, 2007, 2008, especially in New York city, there was a lot of financial calamity going on. There was that global financial crisis and you could feel the stress in the city, you know, people getting laid off, people uncertain about their futures. And I realized, wow, how come these very smart, intelligent business leaders have caused this financial calamity? And I realized they had the same problem I did as an athlete, that I was so focused on the outer development that I wasn't really putting in time to develop myself from an inner level. And therefore, I was making decisions and overtraining and, and causing problems for myself. And in their case, you know, they caught up you know, with like ambition and greed and vanity and accomplishment and all these sort of vices that can make you driven in a way that's maybe not the healthiest way. And what we realized is that the goal is ultimately not achievement. Achievement comes and goes. We can all achieve what we want, 
you know, in due course, but the ultimate goal is fulfillment. And so we decided to center our, our consultancy around helping business leaders have that inner fulfillment, right? And then naturally achievement is a byproduct of that fulfillment rather than chasing the achievement, hoping fulfillment will be there because fulfillment is not something you achieve. So fulfillment is something you experience in yourself. And that's what I got, you know, fortunate enough to experience, you know, as a full-time meditating monk. And that's the only reason I did 10 years is because it was very fulfilling to experience, you know, what fulfillment is at the deepest level. And fulfillment, you know, just to define that, it's when the mind is settled and coherent and alert and awake and relaxed, and the heart is also content and full, you know. And we all know that when our mind is settled and our heart feels great, nothing's a problem even though there might be a lot of complications on the surface, you know, we just handle it. But when our mind is not settled and we are complicated or we feel like little emotional uh, tensions and stuff like that, then everything seems like it's a problem, the pain in the backside. So, yeah, so that's what we've done uh, as we've developed this consultancy around giving leaders this inner coherence as the basis for them believing and then becoming and achieving and leading uh, in a way that's very evolutionary for themselves and everyone else around them. So we've been doing that over the last 13 years. We've worked with a number of top CEOs of publicistic companies. The greatest success we've had is helping one of our clients take his company from 1 billion to 7 billion in the space of seven years. And there was many instances uh, in that kind of relationship that ended up lasting uh, 10 years. The first year we worked with him, he became CEO of the year for New Zealand. Uh, the last year we worked with him when he was chairman of the company, uh, he was inducted into the New Zealand Business Hall of Fame. And so that, that was a great experience for us. And we leveraged off that and have worked with a number of top CEOs. But in that course of working with that CEO, you know, after the first year, he actually said, hey, guys, uh, I want to have a break. And we go, oh, that's interesting. You just had the best year of your career. You were CEO of the year and you, you accomplished a lot. Uh, why do you want to have a break? And he said, well, I just want to see whether it's uh, me just having a good year or is it us, you know, working together that's really helping me perform at a, another level. And we said, okay, that's, that's very practical. You know, you're a practical man. Uh, let's, let's have a break. So we had a break. Uh, but before we had a break, we said to him, look, you have to work out why you won this award. And he was kind of perplexed by that question. But we just left it with him. So five months later, my business partner calls him up and says, how's it going? He says, it's not going great. My deals aren't working and I don't know why. And he said, well, have you answered that question that we left you with? And he said, no, I haven't even thought about it. And he asked us five times, why is that so important? Eventually, uh, Paulo said to him, look, Mark, when you win an award like this, it goes beyond just being about you and what you're accomplishing. It goes to another level of purpose. It goes to another level of development. It goes to another level of supporting other people in their development. And that made a lot of sense to the CEO. He kind of breathed a sigh of relief and said, okay, can we keep working together? So we continue to work together. Uh, we got to a point uh, in the process where he saw an opportunity to double size the company from 3 billion to 6 billion through a reverse merger acquisition, his smaller, better performing company uh, taking over a bigger, less performing company. And initially, you know, he had a great vision for it, but he was blocked by major shareholders. They didn't want to do the deal. They said, this is going to ruin the stock price, the performance of the company, uh, and the culture of the company. And so this is often common with, with leaders and CEOs. They have a vision for something, but somehow their environment, their marketplace doesn't get it right, 
right now for some reason. So he comes back to us and says, you know, guys, I know we have to do this. It's going to make us a stronger company, but I'm not getting support for it. So we said to him, look, you can either intellectually try and debate, you know, these people into seeing your vision, or we can just work on you owning this vision more clearly, more fully inside of yourself. And therefore, hopefully they'll pick up on it. Because at the end of the day, people, you know, we can say a lot of words, but at the end of the day, people are picking up on a feeling level. You know, what's the, what's the energy of this person? And so we, we worked on him really owning this vision, uh, getting clarity and, and really kind of embedding it in himself. Because the more you can see something in yourself, the more likely you can help others see it outside of you. So he had a vision for it, but it wasn't completely clear on himself. So we worked on that for about three, four weeks. After that, we said, okay, go and ask them now, you know, reintroduce the idea. He did that. Every one of these major shareholders said, oh, okay, we get it. But what they're really saying is we get you. We get you owning this. We get that you can make this happen. And so that was the first obstacle overcome. The second obstacle was making the deal work. Uh, this involved, you know, typical long hours, tight timeframes, multiple no-go hurdles, and many possibilities for stress. And he said, despite all that, he felt like he was the eye of the storm. He's very calm, very relaxed, and ultimately the deal fell into place. And this is how you should, you should you know, be operating, we ultimately should all be operating, is that when we are so clear and calm in ourselves about what we want to see happen, then we don't control the how, but somehow because we're in that clarity of state, we send a very clear signal to our environment, and our environment starts to support us in ways that we can't fathom. And so, you know, that's, that's the kind of work that we do to help leaders really be in what we call the leadership state. It's a chapter in our book, The Science of Protection, How Leaders Gain an Unfair Advantage to Create Stellar Success. Uh, the leadership state is kind of a, a pivotal component where a leader is just has this alpha coherence, global alpha coherence in their brain functioning. What they've found is that world-class athletes, business leaders, musicians, when they're performing at their best, making their best decisions, they actually have a lot of this coherence in their brain. And what this means in layman's terms is that they see the bigger picture and they see the finer details on how to fulfill that picture. And this is the, the state that leaders want to be in. We, could, we label it the leadership state. It's where you're very awake, alert, coherent, uh, and you're also very relaxed and settled at the same time. And you're really able to see the opportunities that are you know, coming up on, in your field of vision uh, earlier. And you're also able to avert the problems and dangers before they arise. So it's all about maximizing opportunity, minimizing problems as a leader. And so you can actually experience more of that super fluid, frictionless progress. Wow. So I think that's about <laughs> the story. There's a lot. Show. There's a lot in here, Ramon. My gosh, yeah. Because I, what I love here is about your, per, you know, the blend between your personal experience and the, you know, the world of mm. sports through to those ten years of of meditation, you know, as a monk, and then how you've applied that in a relevant way to help other people, essentially, you know, achieve their 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 bigger purpose and what they're all about. And I always think, you know, there's a simple equation actually, um, in it, and it, I always say it's belief plus purpose. Yes plus action is when you get results. And, and, you know, as you were talking, a lot of that, I was thinking, gosh, yeah, you know, I, I also um, really have an affinity with what you're saying, you know, as a CEO myself through my career, but also 
that sense of calm uh, uh, that, that you talked about, you know, even when you're leading a multi-billion dollar business, like the gentleman you, you explained, you know, he had this sense of calm and sort of control, not in a controlling way, but just sort of being very, very attuned, I think, with, with you know, knowing where he wanted to head, why, and actually really feeling it so that everyone else around him also felt it. You know, and I, I do yeah. believe that when you raise your vibration... Um, you know, you mm-hmm. attract you attract things to you, good things and sometimes negative things, depending on on your state. So this is a, this is amazing. Now, for people listening, Ramon, they might think, "My God, that's a bit extreme." Some of this. Um, how can yeah. I? How can I? How can I recommend it? How can how can your average person still get the benefits? And it's not a quick fix, but actually, maybe to a lesser extreme version of what you've gone through still get this sense of you know purpose and and high performance but in a way that's practically you know applied to to your average person because not everyone can go to the same extremes um you know as you as you did yourself what are your thoughts there yeah exactly so first of all you know you have to recognize this kind of two two kind of paths in life, you know, one can take the path of a recluse, right? Where they're very introverted. They're very introspective. They're contemplative. They're, you know, philosophical and, and stuff like that. And there's people that, you know, play that role in the world. And it's a kind of a, a rare role to play, but you know, there's a value to those type of people in the world because, you know, what I realized as a full-time meditating monk is that you're enlivening silence, you're enlivening peace, you're enlivening coherence in the world from that deepest level of consciousness. And, and then there's the other side of life, which is, you know, most of us is the, the householder side of life. So for some, whatever reason, I, I got to experience both, you know, and I am, I have experienced both, you know, I spent 10 years just being the recluse and I spent, you know, however long I've been out, you know, experiencing household life. So, and, and you can do both if you want, you know, if you want to take a year out of the world and just really go inward on yourself, then, then, then do that. It's a, it's a fabulous experience. But naturally, most people are built for, for action, you know, and they want, they want to do things in the world, you know, because ultimately, you know, we have a mind. We want that mind to be settled and coherent. And we have a body which has to act. You have to do. And we have to do according to our nature. Now, what is our nature? Well, our nature at kind of like a more holistic level, our nature is bliss consciousness. Okay. And that's different from happiness. Happiness is usually for a reason. Okay. Bliss is for no reason. It's always been there. It always will be there. And that's what you experience when you allow your mind to transcend the the surface conscious level, even going beyond the subconscious level, you get to consciousness and that consciousness is very blissful. It's very lively. Okay. And so ultimately, you know, our purpose is to live in that state right? That's our natural state. It's not our natural state to be suffering. Okay. And so the more that we're established in that state, like you say, we have a better vibration, we attract better things to us. And so the whole formula here is, is to be established in being. Okay. And the more that we can be, you know, who we are at our deepest level, then naturally we take spontaneous right action from that level based on who we are. You know, because our our vision and and our purpose is really an extension of who we are. So the more in tune with who we are is, and then the more we are established in that, then the more naturally that flows into uh, our vision, our purpose, our actions, you know, how we express ourselves in the marketplace. So, you know, it's, it's the old saying, you know, know yourself. 
right? But it's knowing yourself in terms of what your laws of nature, what your innate intelligences are. You know, we're all unique creative expressions of nature. And the more that we're in tune with that unique expression, then the more life kind of flows. So what I realized for myself is that, you know, being an athlete, being a monk, you know, your life kind of tells you, informs you as you go, go along about who you are and how you're meant to serve. And, and my innate nature is to really, you know, help people enliven themselves at the deepest level and really bring protection. This is why we wrote this book, Science of Protection, because at the end of the day, you know, you can achieve things, but something may happen. You know, you, it may be some relationship that goes haywire, uh, business or, or professional. Maybe you get a health problem. You know, there's so many negativity, stresses, vices that can get into one's life that can really disrupt, you know, whatever they're achieving and, and progressing in. So the more we have this value of protection, which is basically a universal force of intelligence, which creates, maintains, and dissolves based on what is good for the whole uh, in order to survive and thrive and evolve, uh, the more that we're able to accomplish as much as we want for as long as we want without being diminished or corrupted by stress or fear or any of these things that, you know, are regarded as negativity in our life. So, you know, it's being, and, and if you're in tune with your own laws of nature, then naturally, you know, you are protected. But as soon as you get away from your laws of nature, I know you, you, we've all heard experiences of people who have been doing well in this one area, then they get a little bit off track and then things start to fall apart for them, right? Because they're not being true to what their, their path is and their laws of nature are. So it's really kind of being able to know what that is. For me, it's, it's been about, you know, this, this inner development of, of consciousness and, and how leadership gets expressed more powerfully from that. And to really have this value of, of protection, even my name, Ramon, I eventually found out means wise protector. So once you understand who you are, you know, life becomes a lot more simple, a lot more truthful and a lot more unified, you know, between yourself and everybody else. Yeah, brilliant. I love that. And and so very serendipitous then that your name actually means is linked to the name of your book. That I mean, sometimes things things happen for a reason, don't they? And uh, I think also the in, the interesting area that that I'd just like to pick up on as you were talking was as leadership. Um, I think there's a big piece about accountability, and and often mm -hmm. accountability is misconstrued. You know, it, it can often some people think it means consequences. You know, the consequences. Of, of not owning what you're doing. But actually, accountability is just simply ownership, you know, ownership of who you are, ownership of your responsibilities, not actually looking for uh, that external stuff as uh, reasons or excuses for maybe why, you know, things aren't going where they should be. So when you're working yes. with people, does accountability and that genuine ownership play a part of this, Ramon? How does that play out? Uh, accountability is something where you're not really betraying yourself. You know, we talk, people say, Oh, I got betrayed by this person or that, that person. Well, where did that betrayal really start from in some way, shape or form, we've betrayed ourselves and, and what we're about and what we believe. So often, you know, we just, you know, it's always reflecting back to yourself, you know, because if we are the creators of our universe, then we have to go back to, well, what did I do in creating this? And so that's ultimately, you know, what we have to bring it back to because, you know, leaders can get this, the thing where they, oh, I have a problem. So therefore I've got to find a solution, right? They automatically jump to wanting to find the solution. But before, before you really want to do find the solution, 
you really want to go back and go, okay, if I really want to find the right solution, I have to really know what the lesson is here in this Mm -hmm. problem. And once you get the lesson and you really own the lesson and then you integrate that with yourself, then naturally, you know, almost spontaneously the right solution, you know, shows up. A lot of people can like find solutions for things, but they're just band-aid solutions and they end up creating more problems down the track. So it's really like, okay, how do I be accountable to myself, as you say, and not betray myself? What is my lesson in all this? Once I get this lesson, then, you know, you've opened the gateways to the best solution showing up. Yeah, and, and I often think that people, you're right, people jump to the solution too quick. Actually, when you're maybe thinking about a new opportunity, a new project, acquiring a business, growing a business, personal stuff, new relationships. I always think it's best, you know, think about think about the, you know, the going from that impossible thinking to possible thinking of what if, what if I could achieve X, Y, Z? What if I managed to make a success? What does that future world look like? So when you really start to feel it and own it, and only when you've got to that point, think about the how and and the actions you need to take. And and you know, I think so. Certainly a lot of what you're talking about definitely resonates resonates with me. On a personal basis, Ramon, I'm really fascinated, actually. So when you came out of those 10 years um, in the, you know, meditating and, and in that having that sort of monk lifestyle that you had, a monastic lifestyle, was there a was there a light bulb moment where you just knew, okay, 10 years, I'm done now. Now I want to come out to the world uh, and, and you know and, and take a completely different path. So was there a light bulb moment? And also, how did that transition happen? Because almost like the social skills, communication, you know, I mean, I'm thinking about being in isolation for that long and then almost having to interact with other people and, and interact with the world. I'm fascinated to see how you made the adjustment. Yeah. So it was definitely interesting. Um, the, the decision to like go from being very inward to be very outward, uh, and giving up that monastic life was, it probably took a couple of years. Um, because I was very in, you know, you get in the groove of doing things and this is the way you want to, you know, you think, Oh, this is my flow and stuff like that. And then you realize, okay, this is great. But then I, you, there's a feeling like there's something more I have to do. There's something more I have to integrate, you know? And, for me, like, it was like, okay, I could live the, my, the rest of my life like this. And there, there are guys and I have friends and I still support um, some of these guys and living this lifestyle. And so some of them have been living it for 30 years, you know, 40 years. And I go, okay, you know, that's an option. But because I started to like know who I really was, you know, and having been an athlete, action is a very, you know, strong thing because athletes and, and sport is all about action. So what I was doing as a monk as I was balancing my action, you know, I was bringing more silence to my action. So it wasn't just frenetic, you know, action, you know, our top CEO, he said, you know, that one of the worst things you can be in business is a busy fool, you know, we just busy for the sake of being busy. And so having more silence in my life, I was less caught in, you know, able to get caught up into that trap um, coming out of there. So that was the value that I realized I was bringing to the world. And I always, even when I was a monk and meditating, I had glimpses of what I'd be doing in the future, right? So I knew there was an unfoldment going on. So it was a kind of a timing thing. You know, I didn't want to leave too early and, and rush, you know, and, and not uh, be fully baked, if you like. Uh, so I, I baked as much as I could, took, took as much of that experience and, and knowledge that I gained from that 
uh, and then you know unfolded that into the next version of my myself. And I think that's what happens is that you know we can have a purpose, but that purpose is evolving also. You know, mm-hmm. you're peeling you're peeling all, uh, you know the onion away, and, and you're getting to the finer and finer levels of what your purpose is. And so it was, you know, it was a, it was a relatively considered transition. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm out, I'm done. I'm, I've had enough of this. You know, it was just like, okay, let's feel this through. And then, uh, I actually, it was in Holland at the time and there was someone on staff who was, uh, an actor. He'd been an actor for many years and he was just, you know, helping out and kind of getting some time away. And he'd been in New York city and he'd done acting training there. And I got curious about him. I said, Hey, what's this acting thing all about? And, you know, a series of conversations happened and uh, I got really excited. You know, the, you know, sometimes you have those moments where you have a conversation, you read a book or something and sometimes your, your physiology is literally informing you, Hey, you know, listen to this. This is something that you need to do to kind of unfold who more of who you are. So basically said i said okay so what do i have to do to to go and get some some acting training and he just told me directly he said do this 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 and this and i just said okay i'm going to do that that and that and that's how it unfolded and i didn't know what was going to happen you know when i got there you didn't tell me that piece uh, that was for me to figure out and yeah it was just in a it was just it happened quite quickly at the end of the day but it, it took a while for me to to get to that point um, and set it up in my mind and then it just unfolded, you know, quite spontaneously and naturally. And so, yeah, it's just, everything's an unfoldment ultimately, and we just need to be settled enough to see what that unfoldment is, you know, cause we don't really want to know what the future is, um, because that would be boring. So, but we, we do want to see enough to make a, a clear decision. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really important is that if you're going to make a decision, make sure that you believe in yourself and you believe in your decision. Do not make the decision if there's, there's some, you know, kind of flip-flopping around in your mind about, is this the right thing? You know, do I really believe in this? Do I believe in myself? That's not a good basis to to go ahead and make that decision. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and we do crave, you know, I think we crave certainty and we also crave uncertainty as well at different times, don't we? We want the stimulation, but we want, you know, and, and again, that, that kind of, I suppose, plays out in terms of risk appetite and, you know, sort of yeah. appetite for taking risk, which translates to business as well, you know, the certain versus the uncertain. Um, but yeah, that... that... And, and, and you probably know as, as a business leader yourself is that the more you can actually be comfortable with not knowing and the unknown, the more that that the known gets revealed to you. But if you're kind of like, Oh shoot, what's going to happen? And all this worry, you kind of lose what's already there. The answer's already there. But if your mind's not settled enough and coherent enough, you won't grasp, you know, what you need to do next. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, a part of being a, a strong business leader is about, you know, making decisions with incomplete information because you never have everything, mm-hmm. everything available. You, you, that's just not real life. And actually trusting your gut, knowing enough to be confident with your choices, I think is, is really important as well. Yeah. And that's what the team are looking for. They're looking for someone to be, you know, to, to take the lead and to make a decision, even if not every decision is perfect, at least make a decision yeah. and move forward really. And, and Ramon, with, with sort of your, your sort of like relationships as well, and, and kind of, you know, that, that time of going from athletics, 
Yeah, well, being an athlete and then kind of, you know, the period that you you were in for those 10 years and then kind of in reinteracting with the world and with people as as it is now. So, you know, how how how's that played out in terms of your relationships, communication skills and, and what, what have you learned about yourself through that whole period, do you think? So, yeah, that's a really great question. And uh, glad you brought that up because it was like, uh, you know, I came back to my 25-year-old self. So I became a monk at 25 and I grew a lot spiritually, you know, in those 10 years. But as you say, you know, like I'm at, I'm out of the world. I'm not really interacting like most people do. And so even though it evolved and expanded my awareness, you know, I still had a little bit of catching up to do, you know, as a 35-year-old about, you know, how to function in the world and, and social relationships and stuff like that. Uh, the acting training really helped um, because, as I said, acting is about great connecting. And in this uh, course, this Meisner technique, you know, Sanford Meisner developed the technique. He said actors have two problems. One, they don't listen. And two, they're self-conscious. And that, that's, that can be for anybody, right? We're giving a presentation. You know, we get caught up in, you know, what's going on in ourselves and we get self-conscious about ourselves or you know, we're, we're not really listening to what's the environment is telling us. And so this technique, this Meisner technique was, was fabulous in the sense that what you had to do is you had to take all your attention and put it on the other person, right? It's not, a, it's not about you and what you're going through. It's about what them and they're going through and your ability to respond to what they're going through. And so it was a listening and answering technique. So, you, you know, you'd, you'd observe something about them. Hey, you're, you're wearing a nice uh, blue dress, Jeanette, and you're, you have to be truthful in that response yeah, I am. I'm wearing a nice, truthful blue dress, you know, and there would be a, a repetition of that, but it's not the repetition of the words. And this is something that's really important is that at the end of the day in business, you know, everyone's pretty much making decisions based on feeling, right? We can hear the information, the intellectual understanding and the logic and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, ultimately people come back to how they feel, you know, about what's been offered. Um, what is, you know, how do I like this person? Uh, this guy that you know grew this company from, you know, actually, he actually grew it from, I think it was 1.8 million when he took it over, like the city, he was a CEO for 35 years and he grew the company to 8 billion. Amazing. And he would often in these big meetings where you're negotiating things, he would go, uh, he would go silent. He would just not say anything when he was expected to talk and people go, oh, he's just making the the offering party sweat about their, their offer so that they maybe reconsider it. And he says, no, no, I'm not doing that at all. All I'm doing is I'm feeling in myself, you know, how I feel about what's been offered, what's been said. Is this the right time? Do I like this person? Can we get along with this company? And, and so I learned a lot through, you know, just interacting with CEOs and their process as well as the acting training. And then in New York city, I started dating again, you know, it's like, First time I'd been on a, a dating app and I, you know, was having multiple dates a week. So I really kind of threw myself back into, you know, trying to catch up, trying to make my 25 year old self, you know, grow and, and the ability to relate and connect uh, very quickly. So I'm kind of have that personality where like that immersive learning, I, I, I'm very much a great fan of that. If you want to learn anything, then just immerse yourself in it. You know, and then you quickly your your body and your cells will, will update itself. So yeah, it was it was a great experience. You know, uh, I wouldn't say my relationship, personal relationship life has has been easy. 
but it's got easier as I've grown and I've, I've immersed myself in really, you know, knowing how to connect better. Uh, and the listening and answering is, is the big thing, you know, is being able to spontaneously, you know, in, in acting training, we learn uh, to really operate from unanticipated moment to unanticipated moment, you know? And so like improv is a, is a great thing to do. You know, any acting training, I highly recommend anyone just go and do acting training. Uh, it'll help you connect with yourself and with other people at a different level because sometimes it actually feels more real when you're, you're actually doing real acting versus just in real life because there's higher stakes involved, you know, and you have to be able to express yourself um, with from a deeper level, you know, because people find that interesting. You know, when we see a good actor, we go, they're not doing much, but it's so interesting what they're doing. And it's so interesting because it's the feelings that they're, you know, just projecting from inside themselves. And so it's a, it's a powerful way to, you know, develop yourself and, you know, it's a never ending process, you know, so relationships are never perfect, but you can be more perfected through them is, is definitely my experience. Yeah, and, and the communication is is absolutely critical. And you're so right. People don't listen so much. You know, they're, they're so, or if they're listening, they're waiting to to get their opinion across <laughs> rather than really listening. And uh, it's it is a skill actually. It genuinely is a skill. A skill. And uh, and I think also one what I loved um, that you mentioned was around feelings and that example of you know being comfortable in silence, which obviously you know the CEO that you were talking about clearly was comfortable in silence, but it was wasn't from the perspective of what other people thought he was. It was just, he was just comfortable and feeling what he was feeling. And I do think that, you know, thoughts lead to feelings, lead to action. And and sometimes we're so busy to go from thought to action that we miss the feeling bit out <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Um, which, but, which normally has, normally is closer to the truth. Yeah. You know, our feelings are closer to the truth, you know, because it's feeling level, fine feeling levels when the mind and the body are actually, you know, and the heart are actually working in coordination with each other. Mm, Yeah. It's It really is fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating the journey that you've been on. And and of course now, I mean, you've got you, the, the business has expanded, hasn't it, uh, Ramon, you know, cause you've got, I think you've got offices in Melbourne, LA, Sydney as well, haven't you, in terms of the people yeah. that you help. So, so you've expanded the business. So as an entrepreneur and business owner yourself with the consultancy, how has, how has that, that, how's the business grown? You know, was it just that sort of exponential growth? Has it been more incremental where it's just as you've, you know, taking on more clients, you know, because I think also scaling up a business is very different to starting a business. And you work with some large business leaders, but you are a business yourself as well. Let's not forget yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So for us, it's been like a sure and steady development. You know, we work in a very niche market. And so connect like traditional marketing doesn't really work with, with CEOs, you know, cause they're so busy themselves. So the only way we really get attention and, and get connections to build our business is through introductions. And the way we get introductions is we, we make our clients very satisfied and fulfilled and they're experiencing great progress in what they're doing. And then naturally they want to share that with other people. And the more that you can build clients like that, uh, we have, we've had clients for five, 10, 12, uh, 20 years. Uh, my business partner, because he started this way back, back in 2000. And he brought me on board when we were just supporting ourselves in the monastic lifestyle. Mm. So he's had clients that have just you know stuck with him. And the reason why you can have clients that long is because you're bringing relevant 
knowledge and value to them every time you interact with them, right? And then they just see you as an invaluable part of, of their life. So even though we're a consultancy, we're not consultants and we're not co- coaches. We're literally partners to these business leaders. We're partners and in, in, to them and their business. And the more you can have that mentality that you're not just a consultant that gets a, a paycheck um, at the end of the day because you gave them some good information, but you're actually invested, fully invested in them and their progress and their evolution, you know, as a leader and as a business. So that's the mentality we take in. You know, we we love long-term committed partnerships. Uh, we don't ask for that right up front. We prove ourselves and say, hey, we've got three months here. Um, we're going to show you what we can do and, and give you the experience. After three months, if you like it, we can you know continue under another you know arrangement. So it's been a natural evolution like that. Um, we're you know because we are working with a very you know select group of people. Um, it's not a fast growing business, but it is a stable growing business. Yeah, uh, as I said, because we have these long-term partnerships. Uh, we want to get, uh, we got working on a process. Now we're going to bring out an app hopefully next year where a lot of the knowledge that we've learned, uh, working with CEOs, uh, over the last 20 years, we're going to start to, you know, share that with the masses because the feeling is that we have right now is there is actually a lack of leadership intelligence and leadership brain functioning in the world. A lot of people are conditioned to become followers right? Where they don't think for themselves, they don't make empowering evolutionary decisions for themselves. They're too defaulting to what they're hearing in the media and what's coming into them. And they haven't developed this prefrontal cortex part of the brain, which is where the leadership capacity comes from. It's the CEO of the brain. And a lot of people are just conditioned to, you know, do whatever they're told, you know, whatever they hear, uh, not really kind of really deeply considering how, you know, whether is it, is it the right thing for them, you know? Yeah, well, it's interesting actually because obviously your personal story is 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 very compelling and how it's you know impacted on your life. But from a business point of view, it's also how do you scale up? How do you help more people? How do you get yourself out there? So you know, it's quite fascinating. I'm I'm think I'm talking to you as the business leader yourself now, as the business owner of your consultancy business. You know, how do you how do you grow? And you talked about an app. Uh, so I think for you, it's going to be an interesting next phase of of your business journey in terms of wanting to help more people, not lose your core clients and where you work very intensely with people, but how can you still add value and have more of a one to any voice, um, but still being very true to your values, the DNA of the business, what's important to you so that, you know, but but being able to reach more people to scale up, um, I think is going to be an interesting balance for you actually in the next phase. So we'll watch with great interest. Um, and, and have you thought about that as a, as a business? How, you know, what, what, what's the goals and the aspirations? Obviously you talked about the app, but if I said, you know, 10 years time, where, where do you guys see yourself from a business point of view? What would that be? I love that question. I love that question because, you know, that, that's, a, that's Tony Robbins, as he said, you know, most people aren't, you know, overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. So that's a, that's a very timely question. I've been thinking a lot about that and basically what we'd like to do, and this is kind of just leveraging off what's already happening out there in the marketplace. So for example, Headspace, which you may be familiar as an app that, you know, helps people, kind of get better sleep, feel less anxious, be more focused. So that company is making somewhere between, I think like 100 to 120 million, 130 million a year. Uh, they've got a valuation of about $3 billion. Uh, I think they've been around for maybe seven years or so. 
And I go, well, that's fantastic. And that shows there's a real need out in the marketplace that people want to take care of their minds just as much, you know, as people want to take care of their, their physical bodies through fitness. So it's going to be both, you know, people are, are wanting to have a better mindset. They're wanting to have a better, you know, physiology in which to act with. So what I'm envisioning with this app that we're going to bring out is that we can grow it to somewhere like value the company like 10 billion in, in 10 years. That's the ambitious, audacious goal. Um, and I believe, you know, that there's, there's people want to be more empowered. They want to have more leadership uh, in their life, over their life. And uh, we just have to kind of tap into that. Um, we're going to be bringing in neuroscientists. Some of them are, are in our book. Uh, the science of protection. We've interviewed them. They have a lot of understanding about how to really develop that leadership brain, that leadership mindset. And we're going to bring a lot of the content uh, into the app. And we're also going to give techniques, uh, techniques that will help the brain to function in this more global alpha state, uh, which is what they call a world-class brain. There's actually a book called world-class brain, which I highly recommend also. So, yeah, so that's, that's the vision is to really uplift the world where everyone has a sense of leadership, uh, whether leading a household or leading a team, a charity, a business, you know, the more people can, can be in that leadership state, uh, the better off the world's going to be. Fantastic. I love that. Uplift the world. And we're going for the 10 billion. So, Ramon, you must not forget our podcast interview at this point of time. Remember your friends on this journey. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but- I love it. I'd love to bring you along on the journey, you know, so don't be surprised if I'm reaching out to you again to, to, to help the process. Absolutely. No, but I love that, you know, I mean, having that strong vision and, and leading with purpose, leading with value, leading with making the world a better place. And, and then normally the money follows. Actually, if you chase the cash, often it's the wrong thing to chase. But actually successful businesses, successful leaders, when they focus on on the purpose and, you know, really adding value, I think then the money follows uh, is, is my view anyway. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, Ramon, I know we're, we've. Uh, thank you so much for your time. But I could chat to you, gosh, all day, but I know that we do have a limit, and it's very early in the morning with you. So, uh, I appreciate the early start, six AM start for you. Bless you. Um, no, I, appreciate, I, appreciate, I appreciate you getting the juices going for me early in the morning. That's <laughs> great. No, it's fantastic. So, you know, when you look back on your your sort of illustrious life, really, Ramon, you know, both in terms of business, sports and everything that you've done in between as well. Can you what are you most proud of, would you say? What's your legacy and what are you most proud of so far? Uh, I guess it's not really one thing, but like that I've. I've actually integrated, you know, different, you know, different extreme values in my life uh, into uh, making me more integrated as a person, you know, from, from being the athlete, which is, you know, very focused on my body, um, to being the monk, which is very focused, focused on my mind and and my spirituality, um, to the acting, which is really about integrating the mind and the body. Uh, and then, and then to, you know, taking all that experience and, and integrating it into a business. And I think a lot of people underestimate the value of themselves and their experience and how that can parlay into a business and, you know, they can become a success based on just who they are and their experience in life. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm, I'm most proud of that. Brilliant. Yeah, because, you you, you know, you're pretty, pretty intense. Some, some people might call you addictive personality. I don't know, Ramon, maybe I'm wrong with that description, but you're quite full on in each of those parts of your life, haven't you, Ben? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and that's just my nature. That's just my nature. And that's not everybody's nature. Um, so that's why I always say, you know, follow your own innate nature. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. And when you think back about, you know, all of the knowledge experience that you've had, can you think of the best piece of advice that someone has ever given you or a really good piece of advice that maybe has had longevity and stayed with you for for quite some time? Uh, I would say uh, the ability to just be, you know, we're, we're, we're caught in this this world of doing and we have to do because that's the nature of our body. And if we don't do, our body's not going to do well. But at the same time, we have to have this value of being. Uh, so there's, this is something I actually learned as a monk is, is the whole formula uh, for, for, for being a monk or for being anything is to be established in being and then perform action. A lot of people just get caught up in performing action. Like I just perform action. They don't take enough time just to be, with themselves. And when you're in that being state, you have more silence, you have more settledness, you have more coherence, you activate more of your leadership brain. So it's like you're, you're pulling back an arrow, right? And as you're pulling back that arrow, the more you pull it back, the more energy and power it gains and the more ability to focus that arrow that, that you're allowed to do. So the ability to come back, draw your mind back to its source, back to consciousness, the more that you're able to infuse more clarity, more creativity um, into your, your thinking and actions. Mm. And, and you find that you're actually not just having many thoughts. You're just having more of the right thoughts, at the right time. Wow. And that's what they find with world-class business leaders is that they actually have less thoughts than the average person because they're more in tune. They're more settled to pick up and grasp the right thought at the right time. Perfect. Yeah. Quality, not quantity. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. Just and be, just be. I'm going to try and be more, be more, be me, be me. I'm going to do more of being me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and it's, it's not just, it's not separating the two. Ultimately, yeah. you want to be and do at the same time. You know, that there's a coexistence of, of action and silence, you know, that you're relaxed and settled, but you're also very dynamic and alert and doing things. And that's, that's the ultimate state. That's the leadership state that we want everyone to be in. Perfect. Yeah. Ying to every yang, I guess, isn't it? Balance. Balance. Yeah. I love that. Fantastic. So I've got a last couple of questions if I can, Ramon, if that's okay. Um, So can you think of any sort of advice that you took maybe that didn't work out so well or you regret taking, or maybe it was so bad that you didn't take it and you thought, God, I'm really glad I didn't because that would have been a disaster (laughs) if I'd followed that advice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had this mentality and this was not something real. It's probably something I told myself more than anything. Uh, I had this mentality that either you're a monk or you're married. And it was kind of like a very black and white thing. And when I was, you know, getting back into relationships and stuff like that, I, I always had that, you know, like I've got to create a commitment, you know, as soon as possible. And, and I realized this also applies to business relationships. You know, you, you want to really take time to consider, um, and not let maybe let's call them false beliefs, you know, run your decision-making, uh, but just be, be realistic with, you know, what has to unfold and, and, and really take things moment to moment, you know, cause we all want, we all get eager to get to the result. Right. But it's really how you get to the result that's more powerful to ensure that the result is the right result that you want, not just you got a result, right? So I've, I've had that experience where I've like jumped into, into relationships, either on a personal or professional level, wanting to get the result, but not realizing that there should have been a, a process of unfolding the relationship in a better way 
so that, you know, it did work out. So that's, that's basically, you know, the advice that I got from myself about that was, was proved false and I've grown, you know, from it. Uh, and I'm just, I just more methodical in, in how I go about unfolding things, realizing it's, it's, it's how it's unfolding is more than important than what the result I want to get to. Because if you unfold things in a, in a proper way, then you get to the right result. But if you don't unfold things in, the, in a proper way, then, you know, the result, you may get to it, but it's not really the right result that you want. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. And and the whole point, enjoy the journey. It's not just all about the destination. Enjoy the ride along the way. And uh, yeah, that's something I've had to really work hard on actually myself. So yeah, that's a really good one. Thank you for that. So Ramon, I've got one, I've got one last question, but before I do, where can people actually find you when they want to kind of connect with you and maybe find more about how you could, how you could help them with their business or with their personal sort of sure. situation? Yeah, newmavericks.com. Uh, you can go there. It's pretty much all about us and what we've done with our clients and how our programs work. Uh, you can also go to uh, scienceofprotection.org if you want to get uh, our book in e- ebook format. Uh, also, there's a leadership protection toolkit there. We give some, some tools to develop that leadership state and have protection around your leadership because ultimately leaders – their fundamental value in the world is to protect the progress of themselves and their people, right? And sometimes that gets overshadowed because people want to achieve, but they don't realize that, hey, it's really protect, you know, achieving in a protected way so that we can enjoy the fulfillment of things. So, yeah, there I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, I've got Instagram, you know, Ramon Newman, uh, LinkedIn. And, yeah, those are the main kind of channels I'm hanging out in. Perfect. So there's no excuse, people. You can find Ramon everywhere. And it's Ramon with two A's, by the way, everyone. So make sure you spell it correctly because I'm Jeanette with two N's and people always spell my name incorrectly. So this is this is the thing. So Ramon's with two A's. Um, This is great. You're a elaborated Jeanette, you know, (laughs) it's like Jeanette. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, it, I, I did that and purposely because otherwise people will call me Raymond. Yes. So yes. so right when you've got two A's, it's more of an R than an A. That's it. So yeah, well, hopefully they won't mistake it now because we've given them plenty of warning. So this is good. Exactly. So my last question, if you'll indulge me, Ramon. So this podcast is called Brave, Bold, Brilliant, as you well know, and your journey has certainly been all of that. But I'm interested, what does Brave, Bold, Brilliant mean to you? Uh, Brave to me means that you can face yourself, that you can actually go into yourself and really connect uh, with yourself and go beyond your vices and your stresses and, and not project them, you know, onto the world, but be able to resolve them and dissolve them, you know, within yourself, you know, with the help of other people, if need be, uh, and being able to like, you know, really be brave in who you are and owning who you are. Fantastic. I love that. So, so, so brave, bold, bold, I think is, is really, again, it's owning who you are, but also the expression of who you are, who you want to, who you want to be, who you want to become. And, and being able to believe in yourself independent of any evidence outside of yourself, right? That you're prepared to like see what you, you see and not ignore it. A lot of people can see things for themselves in their future, but then they, they don't really kind of grab it or own it. 
you know, you have to be bold to, to like, Hey, I, I saw that like with the app, like I saw it, I could have gone, Oh, it's just a thought. No, no, this, this is a, this is a thought worth being bold about. And, and that's why, you know, I shared the ambition with that. Um, so I think if you do see something in your life, you know, don't, don't ignore it, be bold and, and claim it. And, you know, being brilliant, I think being brilliant is all about execution. You know, how you go about executing and bringing things out. You know, don't, don't rush things, you know, do it in a way that, that brings dignity to who you are. Um, because you believe in who you are and you believe in what you're doing. You believe in your decisions, right? And if the more that you can be and then believe, then the more likely you to become, you know, what you want to become and what you're, you're destined to become. Perfect. So really I need to add B, brave, bold, brilliant. See what I did there? That's perfect. (laughs) So that is very interesting. You say that Jeanette, because I saw something recently where a Harvard lecturer was really kind of lambasting uh, leadership development. There's like, apparently, I don't know the exact numbers. I've seen a whole range from like 46 billion to 300 billion of of money that's invested in, in developing leaders in the world. And, and she had the, the point that there's actually no evidence that has really had a dramatic improvement in the human condition. And I thought about that. And I said, okay, well, why is that? If, she, if that is actually true, why is that? And what I realized is that a lot of leadership development focuses on the process and the objectives, not realizing that the process and the objectives comes from the subject, the knower, the leader, consciousness, being. And the more that we have that settled mind, the ability to be, the more that we can see more clearly and the more likely we're create a process that is better that does create better objectives but if you're just caught up in like improving the process to try and get better objectives without improving the subject that actually creates the process then it's it is a bit short-sighted you know because you're not expanding the awareness and the consciousness of of the leader you're just helping them do something in a different way that may or may not be a better way so that's something that we're all, you know, growing into and, and realizing, and I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that, you know, the yeah. value of Yeah, no, fantastic. Well, listen, Ramon, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. As I say, I could talk all day, but um, we might have to do a follow-up, actually. We'll see where, you know, on your journey to the uh, to the 10 billion, uh, we'll definitely need, we'll definitely need to have a, a pretty regular check-in how that's going. And uh, But no, thank you very much for your time. Honestly, I really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise, Jeanette. It's been a, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for uh, interviewing. I love your energy. I love your bliss, and uh, I'm sure you're going to have an amazing uh, journey on your podcast uh, podcast journey. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five star review.